When you take the pebble from my hand, it will be time for you to leave. Ninja, the tea party's over. guys all ready to go? Yeah, I sure am. Yeah, right. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Asian Action Cast. I'm Sam, your host. Uh, joining me is Nathan tonight and Michael. Oh, hello. Hello, hello. Hello. And here on the Asian Action Cast, we watch, review, recap the best and worst of Hong Kong and Asian action cinema and, uh, and talk about the perils of Hong Kong and Asian stuntmen. Uh, usually we pick a film that we, uh, it has to be Asian produced. We watch it, then we do a bit of a recap and a bit of a review of it. And, uh, the film that was chosen tonight is a sequel to a film that we've actually done a podcast on earlier, uh, called the fable. I don't think it's called the fable two. I think it's just called the no, fable. I think it's got a, it's called the Hitman who doesn't kill or something. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. So it's like the fable. It. Is it semicolon or just a colon? <laughs> two dots without the comma the fable the killer who doesn't kill uh which is a japanese film uh released 2021 2021 so last year yeah, yeah like the beginning of last year yeah yeah so fairly recent uh same mm-hmm. director as the first movie khan khan iguchi um this is a uh, it's a film based off a of manga uh, a lot Which is of, why we, we're doing it for anime. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, that, is that the reason why? Yeah, and it well, may. We, we were going to watch uh, the Looper movie, but we couldn't find it subbed. We could only find it dubbed. Ah, oh, so. bugger. Yeah, right. Well, that's a good choice then. It's a good choice. Um, I actually, I, I really enjoy the film. I haven't seen the first one, so this. Uh, and to be fair, this is probably very standalone. I don't think you need to have seen the first one because I, I really think- kind of got what was going on. This is more of the same of the first one, but not as good. But they don't like how did okay, so for example, they don't inter really introduce his work colleagues very much. How did that play for you, Sam? Oh, it played fine. Like I don't With- know whether those work colleagues were present in the first film. Uh, I just yeah. listened to our last podcast, so it sounded like they were. Yeah, yeah so Jiro Jir- was- Sato's the boss and like he's like yeah, he's a he's a comedian that and like that they're they're like his employment is a major like plot point in the original film. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now it's just kind of in the background for this one, so not doesn't play that that huge. Uh, but before we get into the uh, the plot, I just wanted to go through some vital statistics for the film. Uh, as we mentioned, twenty twenty one. This film actually followed the first one because it was moderately successful. I think the first film made about $15 million at the US box, uh, sorry, at, uh, in the box office for Japan. Yeah. Didn't crack the top 10 films, though, in the year that it was released, but it made enough money for this one to come out. You know how much money this one made? How much? $11 million. <laughs> It, made it went down. It went down. It was at least in 2021, though, like COVID, it's not going to open to a big box office. Did this go direct to streaming as well? Maybe it 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 went very quickly after um, release, and and when I'm talking after release, after international release, like it was out at at the movies, and then literally the next month it was on Netflix. Okay, I actually right. think it was only released in Japan and Korea, uh, unless that was the first. No, one. no, it it did. It was released. Oh, it actually it might have just been the international roadshow. You know how they have international movies it was definitely on that and we were talking about going and watching it because we did enjoy the first one yeah it was on for like a day yeah yeah (laughs) so not not like a massive release or anything like that yeah yeah i remember i remember having the conversation with rachel and scott about maybe going to go see it yeah and we just couldn't work out the time and we had other things on i think you guys mentioned in the first one uh that i mean the main star is still the same as junichi okada uh, plays the titular hitman uh, Akira Sato, who's uh, mm-hmm. who is the fable, and Junichi is from a boy band. Now you mentioned this in the last one. Uh, what was the name of? It? I can't remember the boy band that he was in. Uh, oh. but in any case, the uh, oh. <laughs> trying to remember yeah, it. It's mind. actually been split. They they split into two groups. V Six. That's the name of the bloody J-pop group. 
um apparently there was uh they split into two groups one was the like the younger half and then there was the older half and uh he's actually one of the younger half so uh even though he looks he doesn't look know. young in this film though i don't he know what age he? he is now he'd be in his like mid to late 30s i would have thought he doesn't look like a heartthrob let's put it that way <laughs> oh well he's not playing a heartthrob He's the serious one of the group, you know, like you got your boy bands. He'd be the serious one, you know, the one that you take <laughs> home to see your mum. <laughs> and his hair is also, even though it's fabulous in this film, his hair is, uh, as a boy band member, it is more insane. It's longer and styled and everything. So I can totally see it. I can see it. Uh, but he's not the only star in this film. Um, so he plays the main character, obviously. And we've got... so. Uh, what's his name? The the girl who worked he worked with uh, Misaki. She was a major player in the first film, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah she was. That was kind of the weird thing about this movie because um, I've, obviously Nathan and I have seen the first one, and then the the skip to the second one. It almost yeah, it almost like panned on to next issue, uh, and pushed those other characters off as like oh they were part of the first arc. And now we're onto something, and the real yeah the main main star is obviously. Babel himself, so it just sort of <laughs> follows him, and then goes on to another set of you know protagonist stuff. So it, yeah, uh, right. it, it's really a, a movie that you can pick up the second one and and get the gist for the most part, and and just go with it. Yeah, I, like so, there's some stuff that's not explained. Like, do you have any idea why he can't eat hot food, Sam? Uh, no, but I do yeah, now after like, having listened to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's, it's very, like, there are a lot of things in this movie where, like, the actual plot and the beats, you could just watch. It doesn't really matter. But there's a bunch of stuff in here that makes no sense. You just, but if so, I, I don't know. I don't know if people still deal with that, but if something's a sequel and I haven't seen the first one, I just write that up as, it's probably answered in the first one. Move on it's with It's very life. weird. It, I mean, like, his, I actually found that very funny. Not knowing, when I watched it at the time, I had no background on why the hell he was having such a hard time drinking like hot tea <laughs> and just his struggles with it was actually quite funny just like standing there and just really struggling to drink this hot tea i thought it was very very funny but so mizuki when i saw mizuki yamamoto who plays misaki i thought oh she's really cute you know like she's the girl next door co-worker who has kind of like a uh i don't know like a crush for him i guess but then uh having learned about the first film does she know that he's the fable um, I don't remember. I can't. Yeah, I. Not that she. He's a fable, but more that he. He is like a competent, you know, assassin type person. I oh, really? So she knows that he's. Like I don't know. Every... I can't remember. Was she there at the end? For... I know he got he her out of re- that. He had to rescue situation, her. but did. Yeah. But was she aware he got her out of that situation? Did he was was he wearing a mask? Oh, he was definitely wearing a mask. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Just while yeah. we're on the topic, she, of she is around during like a fight sequence. I'm pretty sure in the last, in the first movie, and sees yeah. his face. But I don't, I don't know. know. He might have been he wearing was, a mask. He, he does have the mask thing going on, but I thought it was kind of like pretending to hide, but she really knows it's him, kind of thing. Yeah, uh, okay. but it might be that whole trope of you know playing that up through the series. He might be Superman. <laughs> he might <laughs> yeah. be Superman. Puts on the mask and she just doesn't know, like glasses. What? While we're on the topic of her, her co-workers, I have to say Jiro Sato, Takoda, who is, uh, so they, they uh, uh, what's his name? The Fable, he works at a, uh, what is it, like a design place? They yeah, create, graphic, like a graphic, graphic design, graphic design. Yeah, flyers, And his boss, his boss, Jiro Sato, is, fuck, he's my spirit animal. He is so <laughs> awesome. He is great in him. everything I've seen him in. Oh, he really? Was great. He was good in the first one as well because he has that, yeah, that, that great comic timing and he, he plays off because <laughs> Fable's such a flat, you know, character and yeah. he's so bouncy and just bounces around it. He's so also funny. he's also in the first Gintama film. Yeah, okay. Like, I've seen him in other things as well, I'm pretty sure. He's very good. I like yeah. him. He is a pure anime character come to life. Like, he is just perfect. Perfect. Uh, and I, you know, I thought Misaki was really cute. Like she does what she does really well. She plays like you know the the cute, unassuming girl. But but Jiro Sato, man, fucking my hero. He holds <laughs> this film for me. Like he is the MVP. Because everything else, this is a very dramatic film. And I don't know if this was as dramatic as the first film. I felt but... like it was a little less. I thought I felt like it was more dramatic in this movie. A little less funny in the first movie uh, than the first movie. The first movie, I think, I think was funnier. 
It um, certainly played and, to its tropes a lot. Yeah, and more. it was also more action. There was more. I feel like there was more action in the first one too. I might be wrong on that though. I might be like because because comedy doesn't bore me as much as sad drama about a girl in a wheelchair. <laughs> so so there was, I might... there was definitely a lot more action scenes uh, in the first one. 100%. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. they have to they have to set him up. So like, that is there's this there's... awesome guy. Yeah. Yeah, they set him up as an awesome guy. They set him up as an awesome guy in this as well, but the the first one is like kind of cooler. But then they also have him sort of being a fish out of water and integrating, which is funny in the first film. Like he's sort of like this guy who's like super like crazy. Like he eats raw food. He's been trained crazy. He's a killer, but he's been told he can't kill anyone. So in the first movie, he's sort of like a fish out of water and he's trying to fit in with all these like normal people. And that's not in this one at all. They really don't do that much in here. And that's, it's, it's, it is. Yeah. It's purely just a continuation part of that. Like he's already in that scenario where he can't kill anyone, but he's still working the same job, following his boss's orders not to kill anyone with his, uh, um, well, fake sister. Yeah. Right. Who's also under the same orders. Hey, I'll tell you what I, I'll tell you what I do. How about I do a, a premise, a recap of the premise, right? Based on only having seen the second film. Okay, go on. And you guys tell it. me uh, where I might have fucked up. <laughs> so Yeah, that's good. So my understanding is uh, the fable, obviously he is a trained assassin. Um, very socially awkward. Um, he has been told by some guy with a silver hair that he is not allowed to kill anybody. Um for I, I believe a year. Uh, I'm not I'm not entirely sure why he's been told not to kill anybody, but that the the premise is that he's not allowed to kill anyone. He lives with his sister, who I didn't believe was his biological sister, just like, you know, somebody that either is posing or like a, a yakuza sister or something like that. And while he is on this hiatus, um this is what the events unfold in this film is that he is now embroiled in his past has come back to haunt him, basically. There's a girl who's been injured in one of his hits uh, that he executed, and she's obviously paralyzed, and her life is now kind of coming back to haunt him. And he, he, he is like Superman. He works in a newspaper, I guess, but, a, you know, like a creative design place. And he is just kind of like living a normal life, I guess. I'm not sure exactly why he has to listen to someone because I know that the, the man who told him that, he has to not kill anyone, says, if you kill anyone, if you do anything, I'll kill you. Uh, and from what I've seen in this film, I don't know that anyone can because he is essentially invulnerable. Like, he is a superhuman killer, which I appreciate. It's kind of like uh, when I watch something like The Equalizer, I don't want to see Denzel Washington get hurt. I want to see him take down bad guys creatively and, you know, efficiently, which is exactly what this guy Sato does, Akira Sato, the fable. He, even though he is kind of like a uh, an awkward social guy, when he's business when it's business time, he fucking unloads and the action is just primo. So yeah, the action in here is pretty. Oh, it's it's incredible. So I haven't even gone into the action yet, but in terms of the premise, is that is that about right? So he's he's on yeah, a hiatus. Mostly, I can't. I, it's been a while since I've seen the first film. I don't know why he's taking the time off. I don't. Know I thought it was something it, like um, he's he, he's got like. A certain level of kills, and um, his boss, who's kind of like the—I don't want to say father figure to him, but he's—he's got that kind of boss relationship where he looks up to him. He's kind of worried for him that he's going to, um, you know, go overboard or or go into some decline, snap. snap if he kills anymore. So he's giving him an enforced break, and he gives him the parrot as like look after the bird, and. And go um, and spend some downtime, and he um, requires the the girl to go with him as well. That that reason wasn't entirely one hundred percent clear in the first one either. Um, I also found that the the sister um, I can't even remember what her name was. Found her like she seemed to age for me not as well. Age. I, I I find I found her like a lot a lot sexier in the first one than oh, I do. I thought she was still pretty whatever. sexy. Is that she's still pretty sexy, but. It just like it's, I don't know. Maybe it was just the way that she was a, uh, she was in it a bit here, but she was in it a lot more in the first one as well, because she was kind of like the resenting one that she had to go <laughs> with him to this thing. 
And so she was, you know, playing that off against him in the first movie a bit more than now almost having accepted it in the second movie. She's kind of like a, a femme fatale, right? I feel like a lot of these oh. films kind of have to have a femme fatale. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, was, that was her basic assassin role, as it will, to seduce the guy and, and take him out that way kind of thing. Is that Yoko? Think so. Yeah. That's, right, right. That's Fumino Kimura. And I, yeah, I think she's still, she's sassy. She's fun. Um, you know, like I'd, I'd hang out with her. I just remember having this conversation in the first podcast about who you thought was better, like her or the um, Misaki. Oh, Misaki yeah. is really cute. Like she's real. They're, they're different. They're different. Like one is Tabasco and the other one is vanilla. You know, sometimes <laughs> I feel like vanilla, uh, but sometimes Tabasco is fun. You know? Not that, it, not that any of them would actually like go out with me, but oh, well, they true. were. <laughs> so... In the um, in <laughs> no, the, yeah, moving on. Yeah, I'm just getting. I'm just bailing out of this. <laughs> yeah. um, so in this in this movie, what we what we have is his past has come back to haunt him in the form of someone in a wheelchair. Uh, I don't really understand the grift. Do you guys know what their grift was? What do you mean? The bad guys' grift. What like, were they what, trying what to do? Was? I think yeah. it was just like a front organization. Like he had this NGO thing where he was um, meant to go around getting councils to, to pay to up, upgrade safety for children What's in parks that? and stuff. So I gathered he was probably just, you know, leaning on them to pay them money to do this and, and not actually doing anything kind of grift. But the, the, that the one whole... part. And then, yeah, the second part was his, the, the, um, the grift on um, different people. So the first one was, you know, he'd obviously got hired from the parents to figure out money or, or whatever, and he extorted them. And then killed the kid, and then the second one he was working on was the the employee of of that. So it it had more to do with the parents' money than the person's money themselves. This is the interesting thing tell. about the the. I know what you mean, Nathan, because the ambiguity. So the the bad guy is played by Shinichi Tsutsumi. Uh, he plays a bad guy called Utsubo, and I'm they sure introduced him in a lot of things too. Oh yeah, he's yeah, he's, got, he's a great character actor. He's been in um, uh, shit. He was in Yakuza. Oh, you're talking about Yusubo. I'm, I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about the actual boss guy. Like, uh, I think his name's Koichi. The boss guy? You mean the Yeah, the, the actual councilman. boss. Oh, the silver-haired yeah. mustache man. No, 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 no. The, the, like, Itsubo's like the underling, oh, right? He's like the guy who shoots people. No, but no, no. The other guy... the, no, Itsubo's the boss guy. The Suzuki's the shooter guy, Suzuki, yeah. yeah. Uh, Itsubo's the, the Yakuza boss prostitution ring guy. Yeah, he's out of um, he's out of a bunch of the Yakuza games. I'm pretty sure. I'm, yeah, I know no, I've seen at least one of them. I saw that Nathan. I was like, oh, I'm sure Nathan probably already knows that piece of trivia. I- I'm yeah. sure he was in like that Yakuza Apocalypse movie. Watch as well. It probably was too. I think. He's I think got he a fights great him at face. the end. Great. I think face. he's a bad guy at the end of that. I have a feeling. Yeah. Ow. So the we don't understand <laughs> is that when you introduce to him. He is uh, essentially like a councilman. Like he is trying to win the hearts and minds of people with, you know, children with disabilities. He even knows sign language, right? So my understanding is that he his plan to increase safety for children and stuff like that, right? Part of it is probably a front to make him look respectable. But I mean, like, Jesus, he learned sign language. So maybe that's something he genuinely cares about is the safety of children. In playground, oh, I doubt it. Well, maybe I, I, I guess my point is like he from some of the conversations, it sounds like he's trying, like the whole thing is so he can find the fable. He's like, Oh, we think this group is connected to fable in somehow. There's a conversation about that, like, like yeah, in the, the first quarter, group but at the same time, none of the other stuff seems to have anything to do with that. No, and that's it seems his very maker, per- yeah, but it like, seems, yeah. but it also seems personal. Like by the end, he's like, he killed my brother and did all this shit, and I want to fight him. Like it, it's very weird. I find the find the bad guy's motivation all over the place, which is you know, fine, I guess. Yeah, but- his money making tactics is just basically extortion. Um, he doesn't do his prostitution ring anymore. Do you? So you think that maybe his charity shit is just to get in with groups that may be connected to the fable? Well, I don't know. I have no idea, but that's the conversation. These guys are con- apparently connected to the to the fable somehow. And he's like, "Ooh, I want to kill that fable guy." Ooh, Everybody wants to kill the fables. 
He's a yeah. legendary hitman. Uh, but I'll I don't tell know. You. That makes me not want to come in contact with him. Maybe, maybe that's just me. <laughs> well, um, yeah. Well, hubris, right? Like you're you're a guy. You want to take out the top man, don't you? You want to be known as I the guess. guy who killed Babel. I think it's crazy, but all right. Uh, one um, thing I didn't understand, though, and maybe I don't know if you guys know the answer to this, is Utsubo uh, is revealed to be a, a Yakuza boss or a boss that uh, the, it was one of the hits that Fable was supposed to take out, and Fable didn't take him out. Now. The reason he didn't take him out is revealed later that uh, it was a cancelled hit, but they never explain why. Yeah, that no, was I like a dangling did. string that didn't really go anywhere. That was the weird thing. It's like, you know, why even reveal that part of it to an extent without, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah like, a, lot of, a lot of the motivations for the bad guy didn't make sense. A lot of that stuff didn't matter. In, in, the, in the long and the short of it, it really, that stuff really it's just a way to drive the action and the bits, I guess. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. Um, this movie had some great action sequences. It's kind of funny in some places, but a lot of the actual plot and storyline didn't really do anything at all for me. Uh, it made me despise him pretty well. Like, you know, they did the whole Rambo 4 thing. Oh, yeah, they made like... him, like, be gross to a, a, a lady in a wheelchair. Yeah, oh, just despicable stuff, you know? like. I still cringe when I think about the, there's a line in the film, which I'm going to say because it's going to make everybody realize how cringeworthy it is, uh, where he, he is basically takes off his shirt and he's got all of his, you know, yak tats everywhere uh, and, and is, you know, going, lifting up this girl's skirt. And she's like, oh, I got my period. He's like, I don't give a shit. And I was like, man, like, can you make this guy any more despicable? No, you can't. Well, you could actually. You could make him more despicable, but he's pretty, pretty perfectly despicable as he is. Yeah, but then at the same time, that level of uh, despicability, of grossness, it kind of doesn't ring, do- it doesn't gel with the rest of his character. Like, here's a guy who is helping, you know, disabled children and shit. It just seems a little bit too off. I did like, uh, there's a bit during the the apartment sequence, we'll call it, the apartment action sequence, where he's like, I've done something terrible to a little deaf girl. And it's like, no, he didn't. He didn't do anything to that deaf girl. Yeah, that was kind of like the thing. It it was kind of like they were trying to make him disgusting on one hand, but then slightly honourable on on some other level, which was kind of weird. And that's where it kind of, they tried to then play that into the final scene between him and the the wheelchair girl. And that was where it kind of went, you're trying to give him more feelings and stuff now all of a sudden when he's, like a complete ass at another point. Didn't really so, gel. Yeah, ton- tonal inconsistency with the bad guy, whatever. Um it's fine. It it just acts as a vehicle to keep the plot going, right? Yeah. So yeah. so you get some great you get some great movement uh moments with Jiro Sato as the boss. They're fantastic. I do like when he's like, I think I figured you out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that Go was my it, favorite scene in the do whole movie. Yeah. Do it now. Uh, I'm favorite. not doing it now, but yeah, that was a fantastic sequence. Uh, Any time that him and uh, him and uh, Misaki are just sort of chatting is pretty fun. That looks like a good place to work. <laughs> laughing at his freaking drawing. That was my favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> the Santas is like, these are like different. <laughs> I stayed up all night drawing these. <laughs> it's very funny. I did very stare funny. at them for a little while. I almost, you know, paused it. And went back to see if I could tell what the difference was. I Some of the lines on the sack belonger. Yeah, and like the eyes, I think, yeah. were slightly different. But not so, much. So, uh, shall we get to the meat of it? Shall we get to the, the action sequences? Yeah, There's not a massive it. amount of them, but the two, the two big ones are great. The first, I mean, it opens like a James Bond film, right? Like four years yeah. ago, and he is, he, they show how efficient a killer he is. He has taken out, what, like four, five? I think he yak- takes out four dudes. Pretty yeah, quick. but all in like a very uh, like glimmer man type ways. Yeah. Like you don't really see him. He just kind of takes him out, hiding yeah. in the shadows and shit. Yeah, and, w- and the last one that they show is he slits a guy's throat in a car, but as he does it, he realizes there's a passenger in the back of the car and the guy slumps forward and the car goes out of control. And it's a great like stunty action sequence this it's real fun well he has to t- he has to resume control of the vehicle from the outside while it is 
careening out of control on a high-rise car park. So it's it, 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 he's smashing it. And I thought the stunt work, I don't know how they did this, but uh, the, the stuntman, it's a good thing that he wears a balaclava so they could use different stuntmen. But <laughs> true, he is hanging on to the roof and he is getting knocked around and having to fly to the side of the van, sliding around the outside as it's smashing into other vehicles and climbing in from the back. And uh, there's a scene where it comes off the top of the building because uh, it's crashing out. And he has to essentially jump out the side of the vehicle with the passenger to, to save her from, from dying, I guess. Now, I, I don't know how that was shot practically, but Jesus, what a great sequence. It was just really intense. It was, yeah, it was real good. Like, I love a good car, like danger car stunt thing. Like, there's a lot of danger involved if any of it's real. And if it's not real, that's some great CG. Fuck like, yeah. Like, I they mean, there's no them. Mars at the front of the vehicle getting smashed <laughs> into some... They used, uh, like, slow motion, I think, about three times in this movie. And I thought it was it was quite well placed into it, even though one of them, the one with the explosion at the end, was a bit long. But, um, yeah, they, they placed them quite well, and it made sense in the sequence as you're watching. And the, and the camera work was really well done as well. It was really smooth and... and captured all the angles of the scene as well so you could really tell what was happening couldn't you even with multiple yeah. edits and stuff it, it, it told, it told story a story really well. it told a story really really well like there's a number of bits where the car crashes into stuff and there's and there's quick misses but during the time he's always you can always tell that he's trying to take control of the vehicle get the girl out figure out a way to stop what's going on happening and there's just these little bits and pieces that get in his way the whole time it, it's very good yeah like if you're going to only watch 10 minutes of a film, I'd probably watch that. Yeah, what a way to suck people sh- in. Yeah, it's very good. No, I was, I was totally sold, um, especially when, you know, people walking down the street, obviously bad guys, and just getting, like, shot, stabbed, and whatever. And I did know at this point that he was uh, – well, actually, I probably did by the title that he wasn't going to kill anyone, um, but I, I didn't understand why he wasn't killing anyone. But this totally showed – why you should give a shit about the fable, like why he's called the fable. Yep. Uh, which I think you kind of need to do because if you didn't have that establishing 10 minutes, whatever it is, you may not understand or believe what he's able to do later in the film, uh, which is yeah. essentially just be unstoppable. Uh, it, it, I watched another movie. Um, it's it's one, of the, one of the tenets, I think, of a, of a good action film is look I mean, show, don't tell. Like, don't say that the dude's a badass. Mm. Show that he's a badass and then let it come from that. The only time I think that it's done well, the, the tell, don't show, is in John Wick. I think that's the only time I've ever, ever seen it done where it helps the movie. Yeah, I see what um, you mean. They're building the uh, mythology around him. That's right. So in that, sense, in that sense, they're like, oh, you fucked up, boy. You don't know what you've done by getting involved with that guy. He's going to kill you. And then and sort of you learn how cool he is through the, through the telling rather than the showing. But in almost every other movie, like, you need to show it. And in this movie does. At least it opens with that. Like, so yeah. you know he's fucking crazy. And then when they say things like, uh, you, you know, the fable, when they talk about him as a boogeyman or whatever it is, you believe it because you've seen it. You've seen, like, yep. what he's done. And I think John Wick does that as well. Like, they do talk a lot about him. And if anything, my uh, bugbear with John Wick is they do a lot of telling and in the showing, he is not as invincible as the fable. Oh, hell no. But the fable is essentially a superhero. Yeah. But I mean, the way they talk about John Wick as, uh, you know, the Baba Yaga is I would expect him to be as more efficient and untouchable than he is. I kind of like that. All getting onto other movies, but I like that (laughs) Wick that he actually gets injured because I like that showing the more human side, but it's still, you know, unbelievable injuries and stuff that no one would actually walk away from that kind of crap. Um, whereas in this, you know, there are some unbelievable stuff that he kind of shakes off or, or whatever, but it's still is part of the fun of, of his uh, character and it's um, getting exploded by grenades and, and all that sort of stuff. Because, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's the characters around him, isn't it, that make it yeah. cool? Yeah, so I did. There's a there's a cool like small action sequence. I think it's with Yoko where she's like 
she's always cooking in this film, which I quite like. Yeah. I think in the first film, did she cook Mike or is that something she's learned over time? I feel like that's a, that's a thing that's been added to her character. I think that was a thing that like that, that kind of like she had no job. Yeah. So she was learning how to do it. She was doing that kind of thing when she, she got there. But um, in this, in this, uh, she's cooking something and like uh, whatever his name is, the, the offsider, the bad guy's offsider comes to visit Suzuki. Suzuki. Yeah. I love that scene. And and she, and he comes in. He's like, and she just takes his fucking gun straight away. And then she's like, "Ooh, my stuff's gonna burn. I've, I can do it in five. I can beat you in five seconds." And she kind of does. It's all. In, it's another one of those bits where it's all slow motion, but it's very cool. Yeah, it was very stylized. Like she has a look, and she clicks the timer, and and uh, yeah. and just yeah, like three or four moves, and they look. Well, it's well choreographed because you you can follow how she does it in like steps. Yeah, and then to get him into the position where she is grabbed, she wraps her her leg around his neck and his arm, pinning him down so he can't get out of the lock. Like a leg chokehold. Yeah, leg chokehold and just chokes him out. It was. I also like the fact that they're essentially super fast. Her and the Fable are both super fast because <laughs> he throws a table, so the bad guy flips, does a table flip to her, but she's to the side of the table instantly, instantly. in slow mo. Yeah. It's very cool. And um, looking at him with a smile at the time as she does it in the yeah. slow-mo step around. The thing that um uh was kind of tense for me was because I didn't know whether Yoko actually could do anything. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah. So my my point of reference was that okay, well I know Suzuki is a badass. Um I know that he's pretty efficient. I didn't know whether or not she would be able to take care of him and I thought I didn't know whether it was bravado or if she was waiting for the fable. But to no, see no, she, her handle she can business, throw it down. Yeah, like that was quite pleasant, uh, and just the way that they toyed with uh, Suzuki, I thought was very, very fun. Yeah. I like, I like the um, yeah, the the play between Fable and her as well. When he comes in, it's like she's really good, so you must be better. And he's like, yeah, a hundred times better than her. <laughs> and, just, and she's like, hey, like, not that you, much man. better. <laughs> uh, so there's a bit of back and forth. There is some funny stuff in here, but there's also a lot of overly melodramatic shit with the. I can't remember her name. Is is she Isakai? Huh? Hinaka. Isaki? Hinaka. I don't Hin- know. Whoever the wheelchair woman is. Hinaka, isn't it? Oh, uh, Hinako? Yeah. Um She's um like at a park. There's sort of like a random meeting of them, like her and the the fable they randomly meet and he gives her like an in, inordinate amount of attention for someone you wouldn't actually know. And it was yeah, creepy he doesn't as well, know it, does he? She, yeah. and it did come off as creepy, and it and it was well placed, like to his character trait, though that he just he's not good with people interacting with people, and he, uh, I thought that was that uh, that was a that was a good follow up from the first one because he does the same thing with just ordinary people. He doesn't know how to interact with them. He just. No, he it's doesn't. He doesn't know at all. Personality thing going on, and it's uh, it, it's. But it's instead really of great. being funny, it's like overly dramatic and crappy. Yeah, it's supposed to be in touching, and in some ways, I I do find it kind of like she doesn't want sympathy, and he doesn't really give sympathy. He's just like, I don't care. Like, just this is the way you should do it, and you do yeah. it right. Um, and, and in a lot of ways, that kind of scratches a niche for me, where I'm just like, yeah, okay, he's. He's using a skill and endearing himself to her, and a lot of the little kind of comments he makes, I thought were quite good. Yeah, they did were you right. get the part, Sam? Obviously, we're going. I'm going to keep coming back to this because it's fun. Because you've only watched the second one, the bit with the jackal. The, I love the jackal. The comedian thing. He is, he is so funny. The 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 one scene, especially when he was uh, arguing or talking with the girl, he's just like, "Well, you show your arms. Why can't you show your boobs?" That's, that's <laughs> you're you're being like biased towards your your arms here, and uh, and then eventually he convinces the girl to show him his boobs, and he does his little jackal success dance success dance, <laughs> which yeah. you know, despite myself, I kind of uh, I felt good at the end when uh, the fable does his mimic like the same kind of jackal yeah. dance, and yeah, I was like, oh, I hate myself for liking that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of played up a, a a little bit more in the first 
film that um, that's like his his favorite TV show thing, and he goes out of his way to to go to promotions and things like with the balloon and, and yeah. that. Um, I, and I love I love to believe that uh, the jackal is the fable's reference for normal behavior. <laughs> 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 yeah, quite possibly. Um, did you also like? Uh, what was it? The um, not just the jackal stuff, but did you notice in the first one they played up a hell of a lot more? But in this one, Sam, did you notice that he liked to be naked a lot? No, he's. I mean, he's only shirtless in one scene, so I I never got the impression that he liked. In the to be naked in the in the I. It, there's a couple of episodes, There's a couple of bits in here where I think it's it, it's supposed to be intimated that he's fully nude, but you only see him from the torso up. Yeah. But in the in the first movie, he is. They make a point of like that he is naked a lot on his own time. Any reason? Yeah, in his apartment and stuff with the bird just flapping around. Is there any reason for that? Like he he needs to have clothes off. Or no something? idea. No, it's no just idea. like a, a a personality character trait quirk. Of his, yeah. Okay. Quirk. So if his if his heightened senses makes things hot for him to to drink and eat right <laughs> i was thinking back to in the in the at his work when his boss <laughs> when he's farting all over the place <laughs> you know so when, when jiro sato is just like hang on hang on and then he just drops one and fucking everybody is pissing themselves laughing i would expect him to just be kind of like oh. just wretch yeah yeah just not yeah, handle maybe. it at all maybe he's used to stinky smells just the fact that Misaki found that hilarious. I, I don't know whether I like that or not, but I do. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'd, I'd like, I, like all the, I like a lot of the stuff in this movie. I think it's the first one's better paced. The bits are better. The fights are equally as good, if not better. Wow, I really? Because I thought the fights yeah. were amazing in this. You should watch the first one. Wow. Okay. You should give it a go. It's on, it's on Netflix as well. Just give it a go. I man. felt um, the, f- the fights felt a lot more polished in the second one because there's fewer of them. They spend a lot more time on the individual that is true. sequences. Then because there's more in the first one, there's a couple that are a little bit clunkier. Um, and he seems, in, in the second one, he seems like far more superhero-ish with his moves, like um, the apartment scene, which I'm sure we'll go into in a second when he's sliding down between the building and stuff, um, doing those kind of moves and stuff is a lot more in this than in this. In the first movie, there's that end fight sequence in like the warehouse, and that felt a lot more. That was a lot. Slap that. It, was, it, it felt was dirtier. Dirty. Yeah, that's that's a good term. It's uh, definitely not as um like superhero flip and, and grab and push someone right into the right minute. Oh, so he's he's to, cleaner um, in the second one. He's it? a lot he's... cleaner in the second one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it fits his um. I guess it fits his story or his legendary status. Right, like he's untouchable. I mean, if yeah, you're dodging- but it's always like going, you know, he doesn't kill anyone. I'm like, he just knocks someone off an apartment yeah. off, off scaffolding from like five stories up. I don't think that person's living when he hits the floor. Maybe he didn't kill help. them. Gravity did. You know, maybe yeah, gravity's, gravity's fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, this guy is dodging sniper bullets. Like, what the yeah. hell? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that a special skill he has or what? what? Do they explain that? No. I don't know. Did you watch right to the end of the credits? There's a, a small end Oh, I did not. Scene. Oh, I didn't. No. There's an, a small end credit scene and it shows the boss guy, but it shows him as a doctor and, um, and he's, he's got his surgical mask and then shows bits of the brain. So I think it's kind of hinting that he's had some sort of augmentation to make him like super reflexive. Yeah, right. So I totally that, would love to That's what I gathered because it doesn't say anything. It just shows him what, and, what, nothing. The thing that comes across to me is that he seems to have Really heightened spatial awareness. Like yeah. that's the thing that I feel, and he, and he is quicker than a normal human. Yeah, he doesn't seem necessarily stronger than a normal human because that grappler during the like during yeah. the apartment sequence, he's able to hold him in in place. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, hang on, he's faster than a normal human. Well, he's able to jump jump down a. He's he's able to escape an explosion by jumping. That's true. Explosions are faster than people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So he must be faster than a regular it, it person. It kind of plays that up, that trope, I think, through, through most of the movies. That he does he say he's that, very he fast. That, that speed is his main skill yeah. beyond you know, his martial arts prowess. But yeah, I think spatial awareness is... The thing, the thing that the apartment fight sequence shows us is that he's got really good spatial awareness, I feel. Like, he knows where oh, everybody yeah. is. Yeah, 100%. 
he knows there's a sniper on the other roof. He knows where all the guys are coming in, where to move, and that. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm actually, I'm watching it in the background as we talk, and uh, it's the fart scene. But it kind of makes me want to, it makes me want to go into the uh, his Your boss's room and just let one rip. Uh, yeah, 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 that's the scene. <laughs> but it makes me want to go into the the um, bit where his boss is like, he goes, "I got you figured out." Which is <laughs> my favorite part, right? So I'll, I'll do the setup, good. and you can explain. You're exactly it. right. <laughs> but essentially, uh, so it's a, you know, it's a shitty like daily bugle shit, right? Where it's just like a office building. Uh, well, it's, I think it's just a demountable or something. And one of the guys, he's been extorted uh, for putting uh, secret cameras in, in Misaki's room, and he's about to stab. Yeah, her. he's a pretty he, like okay. So the coworker that we're talking about. Is essentially a creepy fuck who deserves what's coming to him. Is he? Is bit. he in the first one? Yeah. Yes, he is. and he's exactly the same. He's got some weird obsession with Saki. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Because um, he he does come across as a creep and not something that you someone you'd sympathise with. So no. I wondered how you would be in the first film if you're that kind of a creep of a character and you don't get your comeuppances. Well, he gets his comeuppance in the in a sort of a general like. Like in in Western media at this point, this character is irredeemable essentially. But when the first movie came out, he was just kind of like shat on like a piece of shit nerd. Like yeah. it wasn't it was like it was he, he it was, was it the, wasn't the boys weird... will be boys, but it was pretty like he's the uh, he's the just corner. the fucking loser. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's but, played you know, by it's a guy called Itsuji Kainuma is the character's name, played by Masao Yoshi, who hasn't actually had that many credits, so. You know, maybe maybe he was a uh, you know like a. a I did like character. the stupid way that he died, and but I knew, <laughs> yeah. I knew it was coming though. It was kind of like he's going to just run over him, isn't he? When he's backing yeah. out of the car, and he did, and I was like, ah, oh, so predictable. It was pretty funny though. It was pretty yeah. funny. So so this guy um, Kainuma, he's about to stab Misaki, and the Fable kind of just rocks up, disarms him, and knocks him out essentially in like two seconds. And he's I do with- love the way he wakes up, though. Screaming. He wakes up screaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's been knocked out, up. and it's the last thing he remembers. <laughs> uh, so Jiro Sato, uh, Takoda, the boss, he sees the Fable do this, and, uh, and he kind of explains it away. The Fable explains it away. He's just like, oh, the dude fell. Um, but the boss kind of pulls him aside and just goes, I know, I know your secret. Uh, yeah, take it, Nathan. I don't think I can. Uh, do you, you are, you, you have, you have someone, you are someone who's, who's killed, or who's done violent things, and I can see inside that you are a martial artist, and you trained, and you trained too hard, and then you, then you promised yourself you'd never kill again, and he just goes, "Yep." He's <laughs> <laughs> so elaborate. Like the boss's explanation is so elaborate. You know, yep. like sometimes it's like you thought about it for a go this whole backstory <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to yeah. make him this. <laughs> When no one's looking, you cry to yourself. And the whole time he's saying this, his his bottom lip is trembling, and they've got this dramatic music playing in the background. <laughs> and then when uh, when the fable actually goes, "Yep, that that's totally it," the that's guy exactly just loses. <laughs> Picks him up, gives him a big hug. <laughs> oh, I knew it. That's a great boss. He is a great. Boss. The whole the whole thing though was to so, Masaki didn't know that the knife was aimed at her because both the yeah. boss and him. Knew that it was she was going for her, so that and he didn't want to freak her out. Didn't want to freak her out. Yeah, yeah. yeah the so, fable is surprisingly insightful sometimes, even though for <laughs> all of his, you know, like he, he is uh, ignorant to social norms, but when it comes to things like psychology, he's actually pretty insightful. Yeah, he's got it going on upstairs. I think it might help you be a real good killer if you can, if you've got an idea about how people work. Yeah. <laughs> I find it weird, uh, unsettling that he rides around on a push bike. Like, oh, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> and, the, and the sister has that muscle car. <laughs> well, yeah, but the muscle car isn't hers. Remember, they get it's it the off process, that Yakuza it? guy. That's, that's a plot point in the first movie. Yep. Yep. Oh, is it? So, yeah. so hang on. Don't what? touch my car. And they instantly start using it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's not her car. She doesn't have a car. No, no, no. They're, they're in, they're in uh, Osaka. Like this is in the first film. They're they're in Osaka after leaving, being told to leave Tokyo and not kill anyone for a year, and yep. they're put up in a in a like a, a like a low level yakuza family by a local yakuza family. But like they're not that big. They're not a big organization. 
but they essentially like they're told you need to just let him do whatever he wants and they're like but uh, that's my car i'll put you up in my house but that's my car you can't and then he and then he uses his weights naked and then he's like you just keep my weights man it's cool <laughs> so he's a bit of a dick uh, the yeah. fables they're the yeah. people he calls they're the people he calls uh at near the end to get a, a ride yeah okay okay Actually, you know, I'm just thinking that the plot of this movie is that he's helping this girl who is disabled. He doesn't know her from a bar or so. He just knows she's disabled. And he no, gets... he instantly knew who she was, though. That oh, was, so he that knows. was the point. So, yeah, like he knew um, who she was. And that's he goes back to the sister's place and he goes, tell me the things. And then he it clicked in his mind that that was the girl. He he um, he, rec- he had he a recollection of her, but he wasn't a hundred percent sure. Exactly, that's why he was staring at her in the first part, and then he gets that confirmed. And then when he drops the flyers, he instantly recognised who the boss was, and it kind of clicked into. It. That was the funny thing because they were like talking about how they were going to like meet the fable or, or do all these things, and then when he he shows <laughs> just up. up to the door and then he instantly recognizes that he's a bad guy. <laughs> that guy's a professional killer and whatever. And he's like, this is all sus. Like instantly. That was the, I, I thought that was a, a good, funny clicking point that they were trying to set up this sneaky scheme to do all this shit. And he instantly saw through it. So he, should we get to the main act of this film? The main yeah. act? Uh, the main, which the main um, fight which scene, the, bit, the which is the apartment one. Oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, well, I guess we should set that up though. Um, because at this point, what's happened is he's been exposed as the fable, and Utsubo, uh, the main boss, uh, through Suzuki, Suzuki said, "Hey, yeah, I met the fable, and I was too low level. They didn't even bother with me." And uh, Utsubo has basically said, "This is it. This is my chance to kill him because he killed one. His brother just turns out Utsubo's brother is the guy in the car uh, that went off the building at the beginning of the film, and so." They know that obviously the fable is a legendary hitman. So Utsubo is developing this strategy to kill the fable, which essentially is what, like booby trapping, setting up uh, an apartment block. Uh, setting up an apartment block, yeah. With, yeah, with like uh, the floors. Infinite hitmen, just infinite, infinite mooks with a sniper on one side and, and a way to know exactly what room he's going to go to. Yeah, this. Surprised me. I didn't realize that they had access to so many hired goons. I thought it would just be like guns and landmines or some shit. But yeah, uh, that yeah, was that kind of yeah. came out of left field, didn't it? A bit because he's strategizing. I think, oh, he's trying to like play out the fight in his own mind or something. And it was just going to be the two of them. And then all of a sudden, it's like hired goons everywhere. Well, I didn't understand that because I never got the idea from this dude that he was like like rolling in it. Like yeah, resource. Yeah, he didn't look that resourced. So maybe, I don't know, maybe he's able to call in a bunch of people if, if you know you're going to try and kill the Fable because there's so many people who want to kill the Fable in this world. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, but it, it's, it's a fantastic... So he, he lures him into going to the apartment. Um, you know, he tells him the, the number and he's going to go meet him. The first thing that happens is there's a trigger on the door and there's a grenade behind the door, leaving the Fable to slow-mo jump over a railing and sort of catch himself two railings below. Very cool. That timing of the door exploding. I wonder if they did this practically, but the door exploding, even if it was like one of those. uh, Definitely not practical. This is all green screen. No, like, because when it, like, I mean, obviously the explosion was fake, but the uh, the bit where he jumps off the side of the building and the door kind of flies sideways, like, if that was real, that timing would have had to be pretty sweet. Yeah, and he jumped um, out the side of the building, you reckon? Or do you think that was de- Definitely, I'd, I'd be fine that he jumped that and caught himself on the railing below, or at least the stuntman did. That looked practical to me, but the explosion part and the door flying, that was added in CG stuff, definitely. Yeah, so I, th- I think that... Because th- there's a couple of cuts here. So there's a cut where he like sort of flips himself off the first railing. Um, that could have been done wherever. You don't see the floor at that point. Then there's another shot of a, of a, like a, more, uh, a more distant shot um, where you can see him drop, yeah. which, but he's wearing a mask, I think, at that point, so it could be anybody. But it's still a very cool stunt. I always like a bit of that. I always, I always like that when I think which movie does Jet Li do that in as one of his American movies where he sort oh, of like Romeo Must Die. Yeah, he just drops or jumps up all those uh, those uh, balconies. I really like that stuff. I think it's fun. And this and this bit is like kind of full of that kind of stuff. Yeah, he's doing because there's of all those guys guys repelling. Yeah. <laughs> 
And he does mm. he does it with such great timing, as you say, with spatial awareness of where the guys are coming from and where to yeah. drop, and to drop and hit people out the way as well. Yeah, it's, it's so uh, good. And then they get into that little crevice, and they're sort of ball fighting. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. That was really kind of fun to watch. It's like it was like watching one of those uh, Jackie Chan, you know, where he crawls up between two walls. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's kind and of like watching like one the, of those, but with fights. Using the friction with like your feet and your hands to kind of slow you down. And to, yeah, and to disarm the other guys as well. And then the, the, the awareness not to step on the daisy at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. I, I do like the way that when he fights, when there's, and there were a lot of guys on him at the same time, he positions himself to have people between him and the shooters and then just like takes them out with close quarter combat, but with a gun, with his modified gun that doesn't shoot yeah. like real bullets. No, it just sort of hurts them, knocks them out or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's I very cool. Really- I also like how he like jumps through a window and he puts a blanket on a dude, and then he realizes he's going to get shot by a sniper. And he, like, it's it's like he knows where everybody is and where everybody is going to be, so yeah, it can just crazy. be perfect. It's like he's done it. It's like he's speed running it. Like it's <laughs> yeah, a level right. in a video game, and he's figured yes. out where everybody is. Yeah, the timing of it all, like Groundhog Day. <laughs> I did appreciate it because it's it's very well choreographed because it does go for ages. It's a long scene. Yeah. And he is. It's essentially he, twenty minutes, I think, about yeah. twenty minutes. And every time he, because he moves uh, like vertically and horizontally, he's going between floors, and there'll be different squads coming up against him. I did love the moment though when uh, one of the, the the bad guys, a bald guy with, uh, I think he's got like a mini. Uh, like he's got a machine gun. gun. Yeah. He's got like gun. an assault rifle. Yeah. yeah, and he's obviously causing like a lot of angst for uh, the fable because everywhere he goes, this guy's just spraying bullets and. <laughs> The fable eventually gets up to the same floor, and he just there's the moment where he just looks at him. He's just like, "You're gonna get it now," <laughs> <laughs> and the guy knows it too. He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get it now." <laughs> and then he goes. So there's there's a bit where he's he's essentially getting hemmed in, but then he's able to pretty much escape. And at that point, he gets a call from the bad guy saying, "Aha! In room blah blah blah, there's a bomb." Like he doesn't say there's a bomb, but he's like, "There's a deaf girl, and if you don't get up to her, something bad's probably gonna happen." And he believes, and that. so he he has to fight his way back up. Yeah, that that's cool. That's cool. But the, uh, so I, I didn't just cutting straight to the to the end of this. The the girl didn't have a bomb on her. She had just had a pack of lollies, right? No, no, she just had lollies on him because he's not a complete monster. Bad guy is not a complete monster. Yeah, right. Uh, but there's there's some bad CG here where some of the stuff like the the scaffolding falls because this kid's walked out onto a onto some scaffolding scaffolding and he uh, to get to a he essentially blows it up. But there's also one other bit in here that I thought was men- worth mentioning, which is where he fights the grappler. There's this guy that's been sort of following him the whole time. Unassuming, and- wearing a white hoodie. Yeah, and he just... Tracksuit he- he- kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, he corners him, and they have like a like a on-the-ground MMA wrestling kind of match. Yeah. And, and he's trying to one- get his head positioned he so he shoot- can shoot him. At one point, he shoots the fridge and it like rebounds and ricochets onto the guy. Yeah. That was pretty cool. I actually appreciate it because the the grappler is he's just he does I don't think he he could take out the fable but he's just annoying like he yeah. stopped yes. him from doing it what was he like needs to do. stopping him from doing what he wanted to do kind of thing yeah yeah and like he, this, his whole job is to get his to hold him down long enough and get his head into a position so the sniper can shoot him yeah that's yeah. all his job is and he and was it's very cool it. because he's able to do it even though he can't win on his own. But I mean, the only reason the sniper doesn't do it is because Yoko was able to get across. That's and, right. And Just at out. the end, there, Yoko gets the gets the table, turns the tables on the snipers, and fucks him up. Yeah, well, that's what leads the fable to do his hail mary, right, where he drops a yeah. grenade and blows the scaffolding, and fucking. Mm-hmm. I did. I did enjoy the the you know, doing knocking the scaffolding and then having all the people that were trying to go after him fall off, <laughs> and him deliberately knocking it and then, um, you know, shooting the other bit so all like dominoes down yeah it starts falling behind Even him and he is yeah. so fast that he can get that get to the girl and save her the, yeah and, and she was you know so precarious on the end going for the stupid balloon and you're like oh she's gonna fall she's gonna fall the little ki- this little kid i don't know i've never okay so i've never been a three-year-old deaf girl but um i'm just gonna point <laughs> no. out that i don't think i don't think i would have ever gone onto that scaffolding <laughs> she wanted Even that in my dumbest, that, you didn't want that balloon enough obviously yeah, yeah. I guess I but guess there, I didn't. I don't want it. Things, I don't like, want it enough. My risk know, reward, my fa- faculties are not strong <laughs> enough. 
Yeah, well, it is it is the though one of those things where toddlers and that just reach out because they don't have any sense of consequence of of what they're doing. They just yeah. see I want, and they'll lean out of a window without understanding that, you know, fall. <laughs> well, that's why when uh, when Sato saves her, she's more shocked at him grabbing her than her potentially dying. And that's why she cries. But then he does his jackal success dance and makes her laugh. <laughs> which, we, which we should start doing, by the way, synchronized when we I don't think I can do it. It's a really weird, awkward move with the butt shake at the end. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> we should, we should just start doing that. should be our, like, some people have, like, secret handshakes that we'll just do that when we go. <laughs> when would we do it? Around I don't know. When we, when, we, when we order a round of drinks. Yeah, right. And if we finish but, our drinks, we do that. Okay, I'm down. I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. My thing with like that the whole jackal thing in 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 the movie itself and and uh in the other movie as well as like have when you go to Japan and they have those stupid ads or, or whatever stupid shows with that kind of character in it <laughs> like that's so Japanese trope and it's definitely uh, something that I could see it being a real stupid show <laughs> that people would watch and I yeah. have no idea why you know Certain people like those weird shows because obviously they have an audience. Because they're funny. <laughs> because they're funny, so yeah. Yeah, they're funny and stupid. Yeah, they're funny. Um, they only got well, one scene left, right? One big scene. Yeah, pretty much. Which is the end of the movie, the foresty, the landmine, landmine sequence. It's not actually a scene, is it? Because I mean, I don't think there's any fighting really that goes. Not on. really. No, there's there's a there's some standoff stuff, but there's and it's all emotional, but it's not a big fight. No. And it's it was kind a- of inventive how they get they cover the landmine with the the digger, the, digger. the excavator, yeah, yeah. That's kind of interesting. It was. It was. They should like- have shown a, a picture of her foot all blown up, though. That would have been funny. <laughs> it was pre-sold though with the girl turning on yeah. on him, though. That was that was clearly obvious from the point where he told the story that she didn't believe about the parents. Yeah, well, it was yeah. A little clever little reveal where she said, "I knew it was you that killed my parents because you know nobody knew how they died, and yet you did." I thought yeah. that was clever. It's it, yeah. So then there's the end of the film, and it's not bad. She walked. That's pretty much it, right? Like she could walk. Do you guys want to rate this shit? Rate it. <laughs> yeah, oh, good, well, bad. Yeah. Like you know, it's a thumbs, thumbs, thumbs up. up, thumbs up, up. Thumbs, yeah. oh, definitely a thumbs up. Yeah, I think I'd still I still say if if you've got the time, it's, there's worse ways to spend two hours. Thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, that's glowing I, review. I, from thumbs Nathan up. Now. I think it was a decent movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I do like the first one. Better, but um, definitely watchable. And if the yeah, if the first one's one. an eight, this is a seven. But a seven, yep. a seven is still a good time. Solid seven. Yeah. Oh, I'd, I'd give this an eight, eight and a half, definitely. I would watch six of these. How fit uh, Akira Sato is? Uh, he is nineties fit because you do he's, see him he's compact. He's not too muscly, but does he need to be? He shoots people. No, that's right. That's right. And when I say 90s fit, I'm, I'm talking about guys, you know, before you got shredded and before you got large where you could just be kind of like, you know, Tom Cruise, normal, athletic. He looks athletic. Yeah, uh, he, looks like a, he looks like a guy who could hold his own body weight if he jumped off a balcony. Like he, on, in the next balcony down, he looks like he could catch his own body weight because he doesn't look like he's that heavy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But he looks like he's muscly, but not too muscly. Yeah. So we'll settle that. He's 90s fit. Um, yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a couple of things. So one of the uh, do do this at home. Um, <laughs> I think we've established we want to do the jackal dance at home. But other than the jackal dance. <laughs> no, I want to do the jackal dance in public. In public. Yeah, okay. We'll do that in public. We'll do it. I'm going to fucking learn it. I'll do it. Um, one of the things that I would love to do in this film is just get like one of those non-lethal silence pistols and just kind of do gun carter with it. That would be very cool. Nathan, anything you'd like to do at home? I would like to be able to jump off a balcony and catch the next balcony. Like I would really like to do that without ripping out my every <laughs> joint in my arms. <laughs> that just be the way you get down from tall buildings. Yeah, just my arms would be left at the top. My body would be down the bottom. <laughs> Why would you do that? That's so dangerous. <laughs> Mikey, you got one. Yeah, I always enjoy the good slide between buildings down. That was cool. While taking out bad guys. It always looks so impressive that you look like, I reckon I could do that. I reckon I really could. <laughs> it seems very real, doesn't it? It's like when you climb up a door frame. When, uh, yeah, it, it, the old, that, 
that's always my favorite like Jackie Chan scene when he does the jump over the gate, makes it look so effortless. Oh, and then cool. you see the outtakes, it took him like 10 shots to get it. <laughs> but yeah, just because it looks so smooth. Yeah. Were there any stunts you reckon that would have hurt? It's hard to tell. There were some really yeah, good yeah, stunts. Yeah, I think a lot but... of the stuff, the, the, some of those there had to be some off. kind of stunt dudes on that car. There have to be. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's probably around the van. There's got to be some stunts there, but That's I don't nice. know how safe or not they are because if anything, it looks even slightly scary anymore. They can just CG it. Yeah, him landing on that car at the end, like even if that was mm. shot um, onto the power lines, you mean? Huh? Yeah, yeah, the power. I Through mean, like power him line. landing on the power lines. They didn't show the end of that, but him falling onto the car—that was probably a good one meter, two meter fall from the top and of the frame. Dented in, yeah. So, and he had a person on him, or at least yeah. what looked like a person. So, I can. Yeah, that whole you. sequence looks like the most uh, stunt portion. I'm sure there. I'm sure there was some stunt work with the guys on the scaffolding. Not the main character, but like some of the the stunt when he flicks them off, yeah, time. yeah. Uh, especially some of the ones that fall down when they are fighting in that, like in that little crevice. Mm. Yeah, right. unless they like digitally removed a bunch of the wires and stuff, which is always possible. Those guys were, you know, fighting in that spot and then falling. Yeah, oh, that's bullshit too. Yeah, yeah, fucking what? Strapped in him jumping on you while you're strapped in like to a like a rope or whatever. That'd be shit. <laughs> That'd be shit. Um. Yeah, so, uh, you know, The Fable, A Killer Who Doesn't Kill. I thought it was a really good film. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd watch definitely it. watch it. Yeah. Which I'm actually going to start putting um, recommendations on the post. Just if I was looking at a podcast, I'd actually like to know what film should I watch, which one shouldn't I watch, so that I yeah, can right. avoid, like, shit films. <laughs> <laughs> we do watch some real maybe, maybe that should be the first thing. Instead of having a synopsis, the very first thing on the synopsis should be, we recommend this film. We don't recommend this film. Now yeah. for the synopsis. Yeah, watch it or don't. Um, yeah. I think that would be very helpful for uh Here's why. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, other than that, uh, this is definitely a watch, so I'll put that up. Um, oh. But, hey, look, fuck, if anyone doesn't agree, then, you know, people can get in touch with us. Asian Action Cast, Gmail, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, lots of people do actually listen to us, and, and they know the films that we watch. So it's good and to hear. And they give people. a shit when we don't know anything about them, which is great. We yeah. love that kind of feedback. I, I did love the last post that I put up. I didn't actually put the name of the film up. <laughs> people were like, what is this film? <laughs> it's incredible. What, what's the name of the film? I'm like, fuck you guys, figure it out. <laughs> I'm not your mum. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yes. So that's been uh, tonight's episode. I think we might wrap it up there. And maybe yeah, reconvene. I will talk to you guys soon. On a completely separate note, I'm going to pull a Christian. I'm going to talk about a completely random movie for like five minutes. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> What's the relevance to bringing it up now? Um, I watched it last night. I was going to recommend that we watch it for this. Yeah, okay. Um, but then I watched it and I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to throw that out. And it's also possible <laughs> that you guys already watched movies. So I, uh, I watched uh, Prisoners of Ghostland. Okay. That's uh, Nicolas Cage, right? Nicolas Cage, Sion Sono film. Oh, um, is that the one? Oh, yeah. That... Oh, we were going to watch that, weren't we? Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. I don't know if it's a, I don't know if, I think it's, Enough. I think there's it's got enough Japanese production stuff in it that we could probably do it for the podcast. But I don't know if it's worthwhile doing. Um, it's Ooh. not weird enough to be super like it's not Sono's weirdest film. It's definitely not Sono's best film by a large margin. The action sequences in it are, are kind of bad. Uh, Nicolas Cage is good Nicolas enough, Cage. I guess. Like he's doing yeah. okay. Like I like Nicolas Cage. I think he when he brings it, he can really bring it. In this movie, he's not bringing it, but I don't think that's his fault because I think uh, Sono's direction probably left a lot to be desired on this. There's a lot of there's a lot of like visual spectacle on screen, but it's not the action's average. It's all pretty boring and average. Like there's like three or four standout sort of visual motifs and interesting things, but there's not a cohesive story built around it, and the fights aren't good. So let's not watch it. It's Fantastic! Not worth it. I love that. That's a a nothing um, recommendation. 
yeah it's not a recommendation it's a it's a um it's a not an it's not an avoid like it it's something that if you you probably could watch it and have a good time with it but what it would actually be better as is like if someone like a band like so, let's say the gorillas got sono to do like an hour's worth of music, music videos video. yeah they could have done like a motif of music videos for this and it would have been better it would it's <laughs> it's cool it looks cool in a lot of different ways but just doesn't hang together well enough yeah and it's it's going back to the show don't tell they spend a lot of time telling me how fucking badass nick cage is for a while there and um he's not that bad like he just and then when he does show he shows like a 55 year old man who doesn't know how to fight (laughs) it's it's real bad but there's some interesting like ideas in there and there's the the suit that he wears blows a hole in his arm and it blows one of his testicles off it's pretty funny like there's some funny bits in it but I can't recommend it to any of our listeners. Fantastic. Okay. Well, there you heard it there, folks. We should go and watch. What's it called? The Ghost in the Dark. Ghosts of uh, the Prisoners <laughs> of Ghostland. Yeah. Right. Nam de orebuyanen. Nam de orebuyanen.